Here in this third chapter of 1 Samuel, we have one of the most delightful stories in the call of this child Samuel. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. So this chapter describes a night that Samuel never forgot. It surely stayed with him all his life. It was a night of divine visitation, a night when God broke the silence, and when God shone in the darkness, and when he made an appearance and brought a mighty transformation in a little boy's life, a transformation that led to great and mighty things. So it's a night when the child Samuel ceased and the man of God commenced. And as we commence looking at this chapter, let me point out, first of all, its climax. The climax that is described near the end in verse 20. All Israel from Dan even to Beersheba. That's the whole land. The most northerly community, Dan. The most southerly community, Beersheba. The whole land, north to south, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. That's what this call led to. To him being established as a man of God a prophet of the Lord. Now the key word in it is the verb to call. It occurs 12 times. Another key word is Samuel's name. I think it occurs maybe around about 20 times more even than the Lord's name, more than Eli's name. So this verb called This name, Samuel, the emphasis is there. The calling on the name, Samuel. And so when the Lord came, verse 4, when we first read of this call, verse 4, the Lord called Samuel. The sense is he called him by name. Samuel. That was the Lord's call. Called him by name. And then he ran to Eli. You called me. And Eli says, I didn't call you. Lay down again. And verse 6, the Lord called yet again Samuel. And he runs to Eli. You called me. And Eli says, I didn't call you. Lay down again. And then the Lord calls Samuel the third time. And he ran to Eli, you did call me. And Eli knew it was the Lord called him. And he says, lay down again. And if he call you again, say, speak, Lord. And then in verse 10, the Lord came and stood and called. As at other times, Samuel, Samuel. So he's being called by name. God is calling him. Now this verb 
hasn't been used since chapter 1. And it's only used once in chapter 1. And it's Hannah called his name Samuel. So Hannah first called him. But now there's an even more important call than the call of a mother. It's the call of God. So the Lord is calling him. And the last time we read of this expression, Jehovah called a name, called someone by a name. The last time we read this expression was Moses. Jehovah called Moses. And now after the the generations have passed in the darkness, Jehovah called Samuel. So he's like another Moses in this call. The call of God. You remember at the bush then, God called unto Moses out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses! And now God calls Samuel, Samuel, Samuel! So there are parallels here between the call of Moses and the call of Samuel. And whenever Moses was called, Something wonderful was going to happen in Israel. Something great was going to take place on the earth. Something that was going to last even unto the end of time. In the call of Moses and now in the call of Samuel, something great is also taking place. Something that will last. Something that will continue even to the end of time. Something great. The dimness and the darkness is passing. And it's passing with God's call to a young boy. We know that only God's call can change things. And God's call gloriously changes things. What the call of God can do. It made a world, didn't it? Called a world into being. Out of nothing. That's what the call of God can do. God said, let there be light. Light is. It can convert a sinner. It can regenerate the heart. The call of God is a blessed thing, especially when it's a call to salvation, a call to conversion. The Bible says, He calleth His own sheep. Can't be converted without that call. He calleth His own sheep and He leadeth them out. You don't follow Jesus unless He calls you. The sheep follow him, they know his voice, and he says, they hear my voice, and they follow me, whom he called. He also justified and glorifies. That's what the call of God does. It saves a sinner. It makes a man righteous. It makes a man glorious. Only God's call can do that. And the thing that marks all the people of God is, in that great day, whenever we stand with the Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, all of them who are with them, the Bible says, they're called. That's the first thing about them. They're called and faithful. So if you're a Christian, you have had the call of God in your life, the call in the gospel, you were drawn to Christ. That's conversion. And that's what the Lord has personally done to us that are saved. But let me say this about this chapter. 
This is not about conversion. This is not about conversion. None of us have had this experience. This is not how your children are going to be saved. By this experience. This is not how your children were saved if they are saved. None of us have had this experience. There is something here different than conversion. Now there are parallels with conversion. And people have preached about conversion from that chapter. And that's, that's fair enough. But this is not replicated today. This doesn't take place today. This is an appearance. This is an actual visitation of God in appearance, in person, talking to someone face to face, speaking to him the word directly in vision, face to face. This is an experience only prophets had. This is not about the call of Samuel to conversion. This is about the call of Samuel to be established as a prophet in the land. That's what the chapter is about. The call to the prophetic office. So Samuel commences what we call the prophetic age. Israel had law. It had Moses. It had the Torah. But we have the law and the prophets. And Samuel was starting the second part. He's commencing the prophetic age. And this is how it commences with a special call. There is a light arising out of the darkness. And it is a prophet. It's a man of God. Moses is law. But Samuel begins the prophets. So this is the beginning of making our Bible bigger. This is the beginning of giving us a marvelous full Holy Scriptures far bigger than the Torah, far bigger than the first five books of the Bible. We're getting a larger Bible because God called Samuel. And Samuel's the first star that is arising in the prophetic age. He's not the only star. More and more stars are to pop out in the darkness, in the prophetic age, until the years pass And at last, the Son of Righteousness arises. The glorious Son himself, the great and final prophet of the church, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So, So this is about the prophetic age reaching to the Son of Righteousness, Jesus Christ. It's a very important night, and it was a night, because it pictures the darkness. And so we read... All the prophets, Peter says, from Samuel and those that follow after. As Paul says, Samuel and the prophets. Samuel and the prophets. So he's a very important person in the prophetic age. So what we're watching here in 1 Samuel 3 is a star forming In the darkness, a kind of a morning star arising. And so you see then how important this call is. It brings in this marvelous light. 
The first time that this verb is used, called, is in the creation. The Bible says God called the light day. So God's call, the first time the verb called, it's associated with light and day. God called the light day. He brought in the light and he gave it a name and he said it's day. And he's calling Samuel and he's giving him a name. Prophet. He's light and he's day. And he's going to speak the oracles of God. And this prophet is bringing a new dawn, a new age. And the words that he's bringing are words of light, the light that's going to shine in the day. And that's what the Bible is. It's prophecy. As Peter says, a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn. And the day a star rise in your hearts, Jesus Christ. So it's, it's the word of God that brings light and the word comes to us by, by prophets. Now you can see how the Holy Spirit frames this call in a setting of darkness and light in verses 1 to 3. Let's see the setting of verses 1 and 3 just to see how bleak the image is before God calls. What does it say there in verse 3? A child ministered. Just a child, that's all. What hope is that for the nations? What hope is that for our salvation? A child? There's only a child ministering. And the word of the Lord, we're told, was precious in that day. Now, the word of the Lord is precious in two ways. It can be precious because of its worth and excellency, its value. It is the precious Bible. But that's not the meaning of the word here. The meaning of the word is it's, it's rare. It's scarce. You can hardly find it. There's very little of the word of God. It's, it's rare. No word from God. And that rarity of the word reflects the state of the nation. It has a famine of God's word. And everybody's doing what is right in their own eyes, as the end of Judges tells us. That's the kind of age that it's in. There's no open vision. There are no prophets, except a rarity. And there was a rarity in chapter 2. We saw that man of God in chapter 2. But it's rare. There's no one established to be a prophet daily, to be a a prophet in Israel who's visible week by week and month by month. There's no one who has contact with God and he's having an open vision regularly from God. There's no one like that in the nation. It's in darkness. It has only the Torah and that's been neglected and despised by the priests. What hope is there for the nation? And so it's a bleak picture. And then Eli's here and what are we told about Eli? That he was blind. He couldn't see. His his eyes began to wax dim. That describes him physically, but I think the Lord is alluding to his spiritual state too. He's dim. He doesn't see much. He can't perceive. He has no open vision of God. He's not in touch with the Lord. He can't lead the nation. It's bleak looking when the high priest is blind. When the blind are leading the blind. 
This isn't a good thing for the land. This isn't a good thing for the earth. So there's darkness here. There's doom. It's night time. What is everybody doing? What does it say? Lying down. There's an emphasis on that. And Eli even says, go and lie down again. Lie down. There's, they're lying down. The man of God and even the child who's ministering is lying down. Sleeping. Like the dead. Didn't we read Psalm 13? Lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest I lay down and not serve God and not be useful and not be illuminating to the nations. They're lying down. They're lying down in the darkness. They're lying down in the bleakness. They're lying down in the silence. There's only silence. The nation's in an awful state. There's no voice of God. There's no word from God. There's no appearing of God. There's no vision of God. There's nothing. There's silence and darkness and bleakness and hopelessness. And it says there the lamp of God went out in the temple. I'll not go into what what is being set forth by that. But suffice to say the lamp of God even is about to go out. The Holy Spirit is using this kind of word. There's only the lamp of God and it looks like it's going to go out. It looks like it's going to be total darkness. It's not a good picture. God appears silent and it looks like it's all going to be engulfed in darkness the whole affair. And so it's a night scene. Everybody's laid down. No one's awake. No one seems to care. It's spiritual death. Even in the sanctuary. And that's when we're told in verse 4, that the Lord called Samuel. That brought the change. What a blessed change it brought. This is telling us another day is dawning. The Lord won't let the light go out. He calls Samuel. God comes and he calls him by name. Jehovah called Samuel. So that verb breaks the silence. That verb, speaking that name, breaks the darkness and something new now. A new star is being brought out in Samuel. So the call of God changed things. Having seen the bleakness in verses 1 to 3, notice the end of the chapter, verses 19 to 21. How the change is evident. If you compare, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. He wants us to compare the end with the beginning. And to see the the contrast and the comparison. And if you look at the end, what do you have here? You don't have a child anymore. It doesn't say anymore that the child grew. As it had always been seen up to this point. Now it says Samuel grew. We're picturing a man now. We're practicing someone with maturity now. Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him. That's new. Before that he he ministered in the presence of Eli. He was with Eli. Eli was with him. Eli was face to face with the prophet. Or with the child. 
But now it's the Lord who's face to face with him. It's the Lord who's with him. He's the prophet of God now. He has a divine presence. He has face to face with the Lord. This is different. The Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. Here's a man now speaking. And his words don't drop to the ground. They're God's words. They go forth. He opens the door. That morning he opened the door. And you see that that morning he opened the door. That was the word of God going out of the darkness to Israel and to the world. And to us today because we have some of the writings of Samuel. We have these early chapters which we believe Samuel wrote. The prophets. None of his words fell to the ground. Here they are. They're still here. They haven't fallen to the ground. We have the words of the prophets. They weren't buried in the dust. And we have to dig them up with the archaeologist's spade somehow. And we might find some of the words of God. No, they haven't fallen to the ground. We have them in the Bible. This is a prophet. This is how we get the Bible. God raises up a prophet. And none of his words perish. Can't. They're God's words. And all Israel knew that he was a prophet of the Lord. All Israel knows now there's a man of God. All Israel knows now they can go to a place and see this man of God and hear the word of God and know that he speaks the oracles of God. And then in verse 21, it says the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. And that's not a reference to the appearance in the chapter. That's a reference to the Lord's coming all the time now to the land. The Lord's appearing in Shiloh. The Lord's speaking to a man in Shiloh. The Lord's giving a man revelation and the words. The Lord appeared again in Shiloh. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel. Not just this once in chapter 3, but the Lord's revealing himself by the word of the Lord constantly. And what's Samuel doing with that word? He's bringing it out to all Israel. What a transformation. What a change. The darkness, the bleakness, to now the Lord visiting, the Lord appearing, the Lord sending out his word, the Lord speaking to the nation again and to the people again. What a change. And that change came when he called a man by name. Samuel. Samuel. The word of God is not rare now. We can't say there's no open vision now. The word of God is abundant. And the vision is very available now to Samuel. And so you can write over this chapter. After the darkness, the dawn, after the night, the light. The motto of Geneva, after the night, the light. You can write that over this chapter. What, what, what do we learn then very quickly from, from this chapter? Well, we, we learn that only the call of God can change things. That's all. God speaking. God appearing. Visiting. When God calls, it's transformative. It changes. 
That's why a man's converted, God calls, is transformative. Now he doesn't call like this, as I say. This is different. But when he calls at any time, in any way, in providence, in the gospel, or in calling a prophet, it's, it's transformative. Whether a call to be a prophet or a call to salvation, or a call to the church to awaken or whatever, it's mighty. And that's what we need, isn't it? We need God to call the church to awaken it. We need God to call us as a people of God. We need God to call ministers, not only into the ministry, but to call them while they're in the ministry, to call them to awaken, to proclaim the word. It all begins with the call of God. May God continue to call his people on his church. May call the nation. The only hope for a nation in darkness. The call of God. And so pray that God would call the nation. And call us out of darkness. So it's transformative. The call of God. We learn here also. How we should have confidence in the Bible. How we should have confidence in, in God's word. Because the Bible is from the prophets. It wasn't Joe Bloggs. Who just you know wrote something. They were prophets. And prophets had open vision. Prophets had direct communication with God. The prophets were closer to God than the high priest. That's the truth. It was the prayers of the prophets who were heard. If Moses and Samuel stood before me, God says, they're the mighty prayers. It's the prophets who know God. It's the prophets who are in touch with God. It's the prophets whose hearts have been touched and made humble and broken and made meek and so worked upon that they are an open telephone line to God. The prophets. And it was they who gave us the Bible. And that's why we can have confidence in the scriptures. Why we can have confidence in the word of God. None of his words fall to the ground because God gives his words to the prophets. And there's no true prophet without a spectacular divine call. Read Moses' life. He had the call. Read Jeremiah's life. He had the call. Read Isaiah's life. Isaiah 6. He had the call. Read the apostles' lives. They had the special call. Even Christ, the great prophet, the chief prophet, he had a call. He had a call to the priestly office. Called of God, the Bible says, after the order of Melchizedek. Sit thou at my right hand till I make all thine enemies thy footstool. He had a call to be a king. And he had a call to be a prophet. There's no prophet without a call. A spectacular call. And the most spectacular call of all is the call of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. A call to God's right hand so that now today he there is a living and alive prophet, priest and king who truly brings us to God and truly communicates to us by his Holy Spirit the will of God. It's the call of God that did all this. The Lord called and we have our Bible. For you to reject this Bible 
or to doubt this Bible or to question this Bible is to attack the very call of God itself. So let us receive reverently the Bible and believe it. And this call of God is is gracious and merciful and loving kindness. Because you see, whenever God calls, he has a purpose of mercy. I mean, what if God didn't call? I mean, just think of the Garden of Eden. Adam has sinned and Eve has sinned and there they are in their misery. And What would have befallen the nations that they would have brought forth? If God didn't come in the darkness of the fall and call Adam and say, Adam, where are you? If the call of God had not come to Adam, what would we be? The call of God is gracious. The call of God has brought us salvation. The call of God has brought us out of the hopelessness and the darkness and the bleakness and the misery and the sure damnation. God's call is always a gracious and merciful call. Even the call in salvation is that. And the call to Christian ministry is that. It's always a purpose of grace and mercy. Every calling is like that that comes from heaven. What did Paul say? Called me by his grace. Always a gracious call. Who saved us and called us with a holy calling according to his grace. A gracious call. The God of all grace who hath called us unto the eternal glory by Christ Jesus. So what a terrible state Israel was in, Hophni and Phinehas and all of that. All dead, all dark, all blind, all perishing, all lying down. The Lord called. Oh, bless his gracious and holy name. That he ever did. And continues to do so. The God who is rich in mercy. Out of the holy place. Called that night. He does not leave them in darkness. He comes calling in his grace. Oh the gracious call of God. And do you have a Bible? Because God is gracious. And kind and loving. And he wants to save you. And he wants to bring you to glory through his son Jesus Christ. So turn to him and turn to his word. And let me say this too. That the call of God is not something you can get away from. Call of a minister you will. You know easy peasy to get away from that. But you see when God comes calling. There's no escape. Even if we're not understanding at the start. Even if we're in darkness at the start. You know God didn't give up on Samuel. Four times. It looked like by the fourth time he was nearly frustrated. I'm speaking humanly. The fourth time he actually came in person and stood before him. Samuel, Samuel. You can't get away from that. If God calls you, it pursues you. 
You can't get away from that. And that's like a call into the ministry. A man who's, who's called into the ministry, he can't get away from it. God doesn't give him rest. It pursues you. Remember Jonah? Nineveh, with God's word. Nope, that's not for me. God pursued him. No getting away. And Jonah, through the depths of the ocean, on a whale's stomach, and vomiting and being covered with all the bile, whatever transformation that made on his skin, he must have looked pretty horrid. But he had to go to Nineveh looking like that. Because there's no getting away from God's call. Moses kept giving excuses. I think he came up with four. But there's no getting away from it. God pursues. His call is like a dog that never stops your following your heels until it gets them. It's the effectual call of God. No getting away. And of course this, this call foreshadows the call of the Son of God to be our Savior and Redeemer. Because that's the greatest call of all. The Lord hath called me from the womb, Jesus said. From the bowels of my mother, he has been making mention of my name. He's called me in righteousness. He said he would hold my hand and keep me and he's told me he'll give me a covenant for the people and he'll give me a light to the Gentiles and that I will be his salvation unto the ends of the earth and all the Gentiles shall come to my light. That arose out of the call of God to his son in the covenant. Oh, the marvelous, gracious, mighty call of How we ought to bless him that he ever did such a thing for us sinners. So glory be to his name. Let us pray.